This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Uh, I want to focus right now, though, on the response we need in the midst of this opioid crisis that is not going away anytime soon. But what role could drug policy play in addressing this crisis? Now, the idea of decriminalizing opioids, currently illegal opioids, has come up. And in fact, the federal government, the prime minister, the health minister have been asked about this, whether they're considering it, whether it's on the table, and they've repeatedly said no. They have no plans to do so. Uh, Vancouver's mayor, interestingly enough, recently suggested that maybe it is something we need to look at. Maybe all ideas need to be on the table as we attempt to address this crisis. So how would that factor in? What difference might that make if we were to look at uh, the legal side of, uh, of drug policy and trying to manage this crisis? Joining us to, to talk more about it, uh, very pleased to welcome to the program Nazali Magsudi, a knowledge translation manager with the International Center for Science in Drug Policy. Nazali, thank you for joining us here. Welcome to the program. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, do you think we're at least at the point, Nasley, where we're starting to recognize the, the scope of this crisis? Oh, absolutely. I think that the crisis is really becoming more and more devastating with every passing day. The level of death is not decreasing. In fact, we're seeing escalating rates of death in Vancouver and Toronto right across the country. So I think there is an increasing recognition among stakeholders that this really isn't going away. And there's been a lot of action, too, at the local level, the grassroots level, to try and take this within their own hands and to respond in appropriate ways. But the federal government still has not come towards considering some of the policy options that you were mentioning earlier around decriminalization and legalization, which perhaps could play a role in better addressing the opioid overdose crisis. Okay, well, how would it then? Well, I think I'd like to point towards the Canada's Drug Futures Forum meeting, which was held in April in Ottawa and brought together 200 experts that put together a roadmap for the future of drug policy in Canada. And what they really recommended was to establish a federal commission that would explore potential steps towards decriminalization, legalization, and regulation of each class of currently illegal drugs. Now, this really stemmed out of a recognition of the evidence that policies of criminalization and prohibition have not only failed to reduce the demand and the supply of illegal drugs, but they have also created and exasperated a plethora of other negative consequences. And that's something that is really made glaringly obvious when we look at at the opioid overdose crisis, which is, of course, in large part caused by the emergence of highly potent opioids. Uh, I don't think there's a Canadian that hasn't at this point heard the word fentanyl um, as a major cause of the opioid overdose crisis. And having those types of adulterants emerge in street drugs, including non-opioid street drugs, so in heroin and other drugs like cocaine, for example, and are causing situations where individuals, because of the illegal nature of the market, do not know what is in their street drugs, do not have have that information to modify their behavior and are therefore taking substances that are actually posing a much higher risk to their health and therefore causing situations like what we've seen in a huge peak in overdose fatalities. So bringing those types of substances under legal regulation can really serve to reduce some of the negative harms 
that are associated with things, things such as the fact that we don't know what is in them at this moment. And I think the Canadian government's position around cannabis is really case in point, that they have recognized that we could actually better control the dangers to public health and safety by legally regulating cannabis markets. And that rationale truly applies to other drugs as well, particularly when the harms experienced due to the criminalization of those drugs are so significant and so devastating when we look at the crisis particularly. Well, I think you have a valid point that prohibition is exacerbating the, the problem. But uh-huh. uh, I, I think people would look and, and say, well, you know, we, can we really compare marijuana to, to heroin? Heroin uh-huh. is a, a much more addictive drug, and uh, even, even pure heroin can have very negative consequences. Uh-huh. Isn't the goal to discourage the use of these drugs? Certainly. So I think that something that many Canadians may not know is that actually Canada has had regulated access to heroin on a very small scale since 2005. And the government has been taking steps, the current government, to bolster access to programs that prescribe pharmaceutical-grade doses of heroin to people who use drugs. Now, these programs, heroin-assisted treatment, or HAT as it's referred to, are really targeting individuals that have not had success with other forms of treatment, traditional treatment for opioid dependency. And international evidence tells us remarkably that this type of treatment really has ex- really has dramatic benefits for individuals in terms of enhancing their health and well-being, reducing their drug use, um, even fostering abstinence in some cases, and being highly cost-effective. Um, so I think that the reality is that this actually does exist on a small scale. It's been quite successful for individuals that have had access to it on that small scale. And the key point that you made around cannabis and heroin being very different drugs, that's absolutely true. And what we need to recognize from that and what the examples in Canada demonstrate is that what a regulated legal market would look like for different drugs across the spectrum of harm from cannabis on one end to heroin, perhaps on the other end, would look very different. Um, They would not have the same model, right? When we're looking at things like dispensaries for cannabis, that would not be the same type of regulatory model that would be appropriate for heroin. And in fact, the pharmaceutical-grade access that we have had since 2005 in Canada really paints a great example of how we can approach legally regulated access to a drug like heroin. So as you say, we've had some success with some pilot projects that have provided what I guess what's known as pharmaceutical-grade heroin to to addicts. So so where is the benefit from, from that approach? How does that help? Yeah, so... As I mentioned, it's really for individuals who have not had success with other treatments, people who have tried things like opioid substitution therapy with methadone and buprenorphine and just are not able to address their drug dependence through those means. So individuals that are using heroin-assisted treatment are able to gain a certain prescribed amount of pharmaceutical-grade heroin um, that is prescribed by a doctor, and that really serves to stabilize their lives. If you can imagine these individuals who, for many, many, many years, have been struggling with a dependence to heroin, now no longer need to be focusing all of their attention and all of their uh, brain power towards seeking their next dose or to take undertaking activities to make sure that they have access to this substance that they have become dependent on. So by stabilizing their lives and removing that factor, as well as, of course, which which is so relevant 
within the opioid overdose crisis, giving them a supply that is actually heroin, pharmaceutical-grade heroin. It's not tainted with adulterant. It doesn't have all these other risks that are exacerbated by drug policies itself. Um, that has really been effective in enhancing the health and well-being um, and reducing things that are even for the benefit of the community, like criminal activity uh, and being highly cost-effective for our healthcare systems as well. When we look, and, and part of this, I think, is understanding the roots of addiction and, and mm-hmm. how it's happening in the first place, how and why people are becoming addicted to, to opioids. And I guess there, there's no one obvious, simple explanation, but how, how important is it to, to understanding that? Oh, I think it's absolutely crucial. One of the things that this government has been doing that has been really important is starting to look at the issue of dependence, drug dependence, through the lens of public health, not the lens of criminalization. And something that they've emphasized time and time again is that the stigmatization of drug use and the stigmatization of drug dependence really exasperates the harms, and it pushes individuals who are struggling with these issues into the shadows. It reduces their access to health care. It makes them less inclined to reach out for help when they need it. So I think this kind of circles back to what we were talking about before. If we want to create an environment that is conducive for individuals that are dependent on these drugs to accessing treatment as much as possible, criminalization is not that environment. And really, the destigmatization of drug use is not really possible when that behavior is criminalized. Without decriminalization, at the very least, we cannot destigmatize that behavior. So I think that we need to be looking at the situations that lead people to have drug dependency, but also the structural environments around them that really exasperate those harms and make a lot of the policies that we have uh, less effective in reaching them in terms of healthcare access um, and other health and social services that could benefit them. Right, and and I, I fully support the idea of of you know treating addicts from a medical. Uh, approach rather than from from a, a law enforcement and a criminal approach. But if we have decriminalization, mm-hmm. don't we still have the problem of the black market? That's still where mm-hmm. addicts are getting their drugs. Oh, absolutely. And that's why this report that I mentioned, the Canada Drugs Futures Forum recommendations, really asked the Federal Commission to look at more than decriminalization. Decriminalization, as you said, it only addresses one side of the illegal market, and therefore it wouldn't necessarily be effective in addressing a lot of the root causes of this current opioid overdose crisis. So particularly looking at the case of high levels of adulteration of street drugs with things like fentanyl or carfentanil. So certainly decriminalization definitely creates an environment that that is more conducive to things like helping individuals access treatment, but it does not address the other side, the supply side of the illegal drug market. Um, and, and that's why, for example, with cannabis, the current government has been going much further than decriminalization. They rest, recognize that the regulation of both sides of that market is actually essential to maximizing uh, some of the benefits of bringing that under control. Um, and therefore, no, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. But decriminalization is certainly a place to start when perhaps it is not uh, politically feasible to be moving towards the legalization and regulation of other drugs beyond cannabis at this time. Right. Well, and, and it doesn't look as though that's that's going to be happening anytime mm-hmm. soon. Is there any potential uh, in, in cannabis itself uh, as, as a form of harm reduction for users of, of more dangerous drugs? Could, could the current approach to legalization maybe make some kind of a dent in the problem? Mm-hmm. Do you mean the opioid overdose crisis specifically? Well, if, I mean, could we get people off of opioids if mm-hmm. if cannabis is is potentially an option? Mm-hmm. 
There is some evidence when we look in the United States around the accessibility to medical cannabis having lower rates of opioid uh, dependency and opioid overdose in those jurisdictions. The evidence is still emergency, emer- emerging. It's promising, um, but I think that the legalization and regulation of cannabis in this country is very unlikely to actually make a meaningful dent um, in the opioid overdose crisis uh, because I think it's not only individuals that are addicted to opioids that are accessing and having struggles with street drug supplies, but other substances as well. So cocaine users also facing situations where fentanyl and carfentanil is in their street drugs, um, unbeknownst to them, and facing situations of overdose and fatalities. So there's a wide range of individuals who use drugs who are being impacted by the current toxic street drug supply. And I think that there is the possibility, given emerging evidence, that cannabis could lead to some substitution between drugs. But I am sure that the use of other drugs will continue, and their toxic within the street drug supply uh, will continue to pose significant challenges despite the legalization of cannabis. All right. Well, Nestle, we'll leave it there. Uh, more at icsdp.org. That's the International Center for Science and Drug Policy. Thank you so much for joining us here today. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. All right. That is uh, Nestle uh, Magsudi, uh, the Knowledge Translation Manager at the International Center for Science and Drug Policy. Our number here, 974-8255-974-TALK. Back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.